Brace yourself and buckle up. You are about to hear a life-changing, history-making, world-defining message from the New Birth Podcast. Tell everybody you know, things will never be the same. Second Kings 5, verse number 10. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. Second Kings 5, verse 10. Let's read it together with uplifted voices. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored. You may be seated. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you'll be cleansed. I want to preach for a little while today using as a subject, I got it out the mud. I, I got it out the mud. Would you look at the person beside you? Tell them, nobody gave me this. Come on, look at the person on the other side. Tell them, I got all of it out the mud. I got it. Um, Malcolm X famously stated, when America catches a cold, black America catches pneumonia. Past post-pandemic unemployment is placing a lot of pressure on people. Amazon has just laid off 10,000 this week. Meta Facebook has terminated 11,000. Twitter is on life support. handwriting on the wall for a pending recession seems to be in cursive. Coming in last place for job placement for the 50th year in a row is once again black men. We are steadily entering the labor market but lacklusterly receiving job offers. To be clear, the tech industry has never looked at us favorably. The opportunities that are present are either not in our area or do not match our desirability. Presently, as I stand, 4,500 farms are in jeopardy. According to the National Milk Federation spokesperson, because they cannot find enough farm hands. The reality is that not too many men want to work with manure. There are no lines for those applying to be septic tank inspectors or technicians. In spite of the pay averaging somewhere in the orbit of $24 an hour. 
An animal slaughterer is an occupation that has a vacancy from three to nine months because it requires a lot of blood and guts, albeit literally. Comrades, we are living in an age where everybody wants to make deposits, but nobody wants to get dirty. When we think of the majesty of the Almighty, we somehow eliminated from our minds that when God wanted to build humans, he wasn't above getting on his hands and knees. James Weldon Johnson, in his rendition of the creation, says that the Lord God formed us out of the dust of the ground. It was the very first time that we find an instance of CPR. He breathed into us the breath of life. I heard Rick Warren say earlier this week, people who use their minds need an outlet using their hands. People who use their minds need an outlet using their hands. The rest of creation was clean because it was just called out. Mountains, streams, sunbeams, salmon, sycamore trees, silverback gorillas were all spoken. Take note that whenever you are trying to work on something with another human, it's going to require a lot of dirty work. Whether that's in a marriage, whether you are a manager, or you're trying to maintain a friendship. You don't have the luxury of just speaking to it. You're going to have to act on it. There's so much insight in Genesis 2, verse number 5, that I uh, really had not honed in attention until this week as I was preparing to see you. In Genesis 2, verse number 5, it says something that is glaring. It says, no shrubs were in the field. No plants had come up yet, for the Lord God had not yet caused it to rain. There was no man created at this moment to do the work. In other words, there were seeds and there were minerals that had been planted, but the right storm had not yet come. But most importantly, nobody had been created yet to do the job. I want to speak to you. I want to say this to you. I need you to hear this. The earth has been waiting on your arrival for the full assignment of what you are created to do. The earth could not do it until you were born. It's been waiting for you to show up. But showing up is not the totality of the assignment. You are going to have to work it. I need you to know that the call on your life is not for you to jaywalk on easy street. But God is going to require you to do some heavy lifting. 
Our old seminary professor used to tell us, you cannot expect God to give you breakfast in bed and do the dishes. There was something that you were going to have to do. When God created us, he didn't use gold, he didn't use granite or gemstones. He used dust, a humble substance, lowly in its composite. It's scattered all over the place. And that's what God figured was the best element for our creation. And then can you imagine? For the lowest part of the universe, that's what God decided to kiss. He never kissed a sparrow. Never kissed a peacock. But he kissed us at our lowest state and then breathed on us the Ruach of the Holy Spirit. The intention was humility was going to be laced with divinity. It is out of that understanding that you are able to boldly proclaim, I am not much, but I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. You, you are created out of dust and yet you've got the spirit of God that's in you. That's why you can say to people, I may not look like I'm all of that, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When, when I understand that I am created just a little bit lower than the angels, but I was made out of dust. It is with that understanding that I am able to say in the middle of worship, He is the air I breathe. In Him I live. In Him I move. In Him I have my very being. Without Him I am nothing. Without him, I would fail. And I, I don't care what kind of clothes you got on. I don't care what you drove up here in. I don't care what degrees you got on the wall. At the end of the day, you are nothing more than dust. And yet, you sit in his presence and act like you don't have an obligation to worship him. I want somebody who knows without him, I am nothing. Garden of Eden, it looks pretty, it looks pristine, but the Garden of Eden did not prosper until there was rain. After the rain fell, it looked a mess, but it was necessary for the full manifestation of God's idea. You may not believe it, but I need you to just say it to yourself. My storm was necessary. Come on, I need you to say it with authority. My storm was necessary. Can you imagine that in all these years you've been in church, all the years that uh, you went to vacation Bible school, all the years you went to midwife, midweek service, nobody ever told you that the Garden of Eden had mud. that the rain had to come. The only way that all of the plants and the vegetation were able to come into full bloom is after a storm. 
In John chapter 9, a man is brought to Jesus who was born blind. And the master did something unseemly. He got dust off of the ground. And then he spit on it to make mud in his hands. And then smeared it over the man's face. And told him to walk to a body of water. And you'll be able to get your eyesight back. I think you missed that when God sent the blind man to water, he never gave him a seeing eye dog. When he told that man to go to the water, he never gave him a walking stick. When he told him to go to that body of water with mud on his face, there were no braille instructions. You got to know what was in the mind of God to make him walk with mud on him. God was seeing whether or not he was prepared to pass the test of maturity. Can you walk around when people can see your dirt? Can, can, Can you be faithful when folk know stuff about you but think it's going to block you from what you are supposed to become and what you are called to accomplish? Don't sit in this church as if you ain't got no dirt on you, but you ought to be giving God glory in spite of what I did. I'm still following God's instructions. He had to walk with dirt on him. There are those of you who are under the sound of my voice who learned how to walk with mud on your face. After going through that divorce, after being laid off, after having to bail a son out of jail, having your house foreclosed, filing bankruptcy. God says, I need to see how you will walk with mud on your face because when you are delivered, you'll be able to see people for who they are. God, I can't hear nobody. See, some people will only be friends with you as long as you are perfect. But you need folk that will love you unconditionally and say, I know there's some brokenness in you, but I still love you. In the misogynistic lens of the writing of sacred texts, you'll notice that there is a grave inequality that 2,022 years later uh, still has not been edited. Here's what the sacred text says, is that there was a woman caught in adultery. Ladies and gentlemen, if I understand adultery correct, you can't do that by yourself. God, I can't hear nobody. There's got to be a man in there somewhere. But they called this woman out in adultery and they're all prepared to kill her. And I need you to see what God does. God then goes down to the ground and starts writing. He without sin cast the first stone and they all had to start walking away. But the thing that is amazing, it is the very first time God touched dirt since Genesis says, I am giving you another opportunity even after you've been caught. 
Some of you should be laid out at the altar giving God glory because there are people who are talking about you on a rumor when God loves you with the evidence. And I know some of y'all are in witness protection as if you ain't never slept with nobody, you ain't never been high, you ain't never gambled your life away, you ain't never been drunk, but I need some people that will know God caught me red-handed, but he looks beyond all of my faults, and he met me at my knees. It wasn't that... um, It wasn't at El Tomorrow in Colombia, nor was it in the Boryong Mud Festival in South Korea. But rather, and instead, I was minding my business in 2 Kings chapter 5, where I found a commander of the army named Naaman, who's a valiant leader, but the text says he is a leader with leprosy. I want to say this to somebody who's sitting around you sitting down I need them to know that no matter how powerful you might be you will still have problems you can be a CEO and come down with cancer you can be an entrepreneur and have an eating disorder you can be retired and have a ruptured retina you can be a bride tied to a man that's impotent you can be saved and still feel like you lost I don't want you to come in this room and feel like even though you got everything together that there's not any missing links in your life but you can be on top of the world but at home you can't even sleep at night you can have all the money in the bank but on the inside you feel broke and you feel empty you can be popular and still be lonely because Naaman was a leper and a leader the problem ladies and gentlemen is that we find from sacred text because he is a leper he is supposed to be segregated He's not even supposed to be around other people. He should be living in a leprous colony. But he is now infecting the people he leads. And nobody will check him because of his position. I hope I can find somebody here. The reason why you got to get healed is because of all of the people who have access to your mess. You got to make sure your children don't contract what it is that you carry. There's too much responsibility on your life for you to go forward as if nothing is happening to you. If you don't want to be changed, get changed for the rest of your family. Stop taking everybody down with you when they're looking up to you to be the strong and the responsible and the accountable one. God, please lift me up to where I'm supposed to stand. Nobody pulls him into accountability because he's the leader and they're watching him fall apart. They're watching his issue right in front of him. And a woman comes to him and says, I know how you can get healed. I know how you can get delivered. I know how all of this can change in your life. There's a preacher in town by the name of Elijah. And he can help you. All you got to do is go see him. 
The Bible says that Naaman goes to Elisha's house, but Elisha does something that offends Naaman. He does not come out to talk to him. He speaks to him through the speaker in his house and says, how can I help you? Some of you will think that this is brash. Some of you will think it is standoffish because you don't understand he is doing what a lot of saved people neglect to do. What is that, Pastor? Safeguard your space. You cannot let toxic people get close to you. Y'all ain't saying nothing and make you feel bad because you got boundaries. I cannot allow your negative energy to impact my life. Every time you talk, you got something negative to say. Every time something good happens, you always want to rain on my parade. I got to pray for some people from a distance. I love you, but I don't want you in my house I care for you but I cannot hang out with you like that there is a different call of responsibility because I don't want your sickness to impact the health of my mind my spirit and my body would you look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor only praisers in this section I ain't gonna beg nobody to praise God I'm not gonna stop my worship to see if you are alright. Don't show me no Instagram while I'm trying to lift him up. I gotta create boundaries so that my life stays in balance. And he says to him in order for you to get clean you got to go wash yourself, here's the catch, in dirty water. Because what you need in this season of your life, you're going to have to get it out the mud. I want to say something to somebody. If you don't remember anything else that I tell you, I need you to hold fast to this. Here's what I needed you to know. The dirtiest job you will ever have to do is to clean yourself up. I better say it again. I said the dirtiest job you will ever have to do is to clean yourself up. I'm going to say it one more time for the people online. The dirtiest job you will ever have is to clean yourself up. Nobody went to him and nobody went with him. He had to do it alone. He said, I got to clean myself up. But the man of God says, I don't need you to just play in the pool. I need you to get down in it. Because there are layers of you that got to get cleaned up. He says, I got to clean up every layer that is dirty. I want you to lift up your hand. I want you to lift up your hand. Because I believe that while you are in worship, God is going to start cleaning you up. Hallelujah. He's starting to clean up right now the tragedy and the calamity of your childhood. Lift up that hand. God right now is cleaning you up from the dysfunction of your family. He's cleaning you up from the murky parts of your memory. He's cleaning you up 
from the consequences of bad choices and poor decisions. He's cleaning you up from the habits that still have a stronghold on your life. He's cleaning you up from unrealistic expectation. He's cleaning you up from domestic violence and molestation and from abuse. He's cleaning you up from alcohol and drug codependency. He's cleaning you up from porn and shopping addiction. He's cleaning you up cleaning you up from the very source of self-sabotage. You are not going into a brand new year being the same dirty person. God says today, if I can get some screamers, I'm pulling you out of the mud. For those of you that don't have any dirty areas of your life, you ain't got to open up your mouth. But if you know there's some areas that be cleaned up. Baby, see that. Hallelujah. Says, I got to clean you up. Because the areas of you that you have left unaddressed that have got to be met with. And I got to clean you. There's a man I met the other day, and I'm embarrassed to tell you I don't even know his real name. He's got hood credentials because he goes by a nickname, and people only know him as the prodigal son. And the amazing thing about the prodigal son is that um, he goes to his father, and I don't even know if you understand the level of uh, insult he delivered to his dad. He said to his father, I want my inheritance early. The inheritance you already know, you ain't supposed to get it until after somebody dies. In other words, he was saying to his dad, I wish you were dead. I don't even want you. I just want the stuff that comes with you. I can't hear no worshipers in here. Do you know what level of pain it takes? for you to be at a place that you wish your father was dead. I'm talking to some real people in here. Do you? Do you know what kind of atrocity and trauma you got to live through that you wish your father was dead? And he says to him, I, I can't wait for you to die. Give me my stuff now. And the father gives him everything that is allocated to him. And the Bible translates in Elizabethan English from the 17th century that he spent all that he had on riotous living. In other words, he's all up in the club. He's making it rain. And then at the end of it is when the recession hits. And when the recession hits, he's got to go find a job for the first time in his life. And when he goes and finds a job, I need you to hear this. He finds a job um, on a pig farm. He's, uh, he's filling the unemployment vacancy as a farm hand. He said, I will work on this pig farm. I need you to hear this new birth. And I am a Jew. Because of my destiny and my legacy. 
I don't belong on this job. But I'll do something that is beneath me because I'm too desperate for money. I'm speaking to 300 of you in this room. God ain't going to let you stay on a job that does not match who you are. God is never going to put you in a position where you got to prostitute your dream for a paycheck. There is too much glory in your life for you to be that far down that you trust an employer higher than you trust a redeemer. He spends all that he has and takes a job he ain't supposed to be on. And something incredible happens that bothers me of when he gets the epiphany of who he is. He doesn't realize who he is. He doesn't know his call. He didn't recognize his value or his worth until he takes a good look at who he's sleeping with. He wakes up and realizes he's in the bed with a pig and says, how am I supposed to be sleeping with this when I am a child of the king? I don't know where my worshipers are, but God in this moment is giving you a fresh revelation of who shouldn't be in your sacred space because of the call of God that's on his life. And he speaks to himself internally and says, I can do better than this if I go to my father's house. Hallelujah. I'm almost finished. I'm just not through yet. I need you to help me if you will if you'll um, you'll take that neighbor by the hand while you're sitting or whether you're standing it doesn't matter the principle is still the same you ain't got to stand you ain't got to sit you can do either one the incredible thing about this young man is that he's in the mud and nobody will help him get up He's got to get up on his own. I'm so thankful that that is not your precarious lot this morning. That the person whose hand you're holding is getting ready to pull you out of what you've been stuck in. You ain't going another year with this kind of dirt on you. You got somebody who sees greatness in you. And it don't matter if your dirt gets on them. They love you so much that they'll pull you out of it. I get to get out of here because I got too many stuck up people in church. God, I can't hear nobody who feel like they're better than everybody else. As if you ain't never been in the mud yourself. But God says when you pull on them, you ain't really just pulling on them. You pulling on a family member who don't even realize how far down they are. But I ain't gonna let you die in the dirt. It's too much glory that's in your life. Major pull is getting ready to happen. Hallelujah. A major pull is getting ready to happen. It ain't for anybody to be debt free or to be millionaires. But the person who you're getting ready to pull is not even the person whose hand you're holding. 
But God said, you're getting ready to pull out this week the men in your family. God, I can't hear nobody who don't even understand there's a greater call for their life. Would you look at their neighbor and say, I didn't mean to pull you this hard, but you don't know what my son is dealing with. I didn't mean to pull you like this, but I ain't gonna let my brother rot in jail. I don't know what you feel about it, but I don't want my dad to die unhappy. There's a pull that's gotta happen. Hallelujah. And I'm getting ready to get that man out of the mud. Hallelujah. Because I done seen too many men go down that trail. And I don't want to see it happen to them. There's getting ready to be a deliverance in this room today. Hallelujah. I hope y'all can receive it. There's getting ready to be a deliverance in this room today. That is going to happen for men who are not in this room today. God, I can't hear no worshipers right through here. That when I pull on them, I want to see them drug free. I, I want to see them sober and in their right mind. I want them functioning for themselves. There's a pull that's got to happen. Regrettably, that prodigal son, I never get his name. But for the young man you getting ready to pull for, I don't know who they are and I don't know where they are but I want you to speak that young man's name out loud right now come on I said speak that young man's name right now we getting ready to pull him out the mud it don't matter what society says it don't matter what the lawyer says it don't matter what the principal said today by the power of the Holy Ghost we getting ready to pull black men out of the mud when I count to three, I want to see a pull in this room. Pull them until they can't stand still. Pull them until they shift their posture. Pull them until their attitude changes. I'm telling y'all, this ain't the time to be cute. Some young man's life is on the line. And you sitting there acting like you can't get your hands dirty. When I count to three, I need a breakthrough in this room. One, two, three, pull. You ain't ever going back to jail. Paul, you ain't ever going to commit suicide. Paul, at the gates of hell. I can't hear nobody. You better pull on your son. He will not remain in special needs. Pull on your son. He gonna hold down a job and live on his own. Pull on your son. He's gonna settle down with one wife. Pull on your son. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to open this altar as quickly as I can. The two of yours, you'll step back for me, please. Hallelujah. I don't know where you are, but there's... Um, I don't know where you are, but there's some men in this room. There's some men in this room who are um, drowning in your own dirt. Drowning in your own issues. Drowning in your own brokenness. God says, I want to pull you out of it. I don't care if you're 17, I don't care if you're 70. But if you're the man I'm talking to, I need you to meet me at this altar quickly, please. Hallelujah. I don't know where you are. Thank you. Come on, quickly. I want to pull you out of it. You're going to break the cycle. You're going to be better than your father. You're going to become what you never had an example for. I got to be better. I got to live better. I got to make some better choices. I got to do something different. I got to get it out the mud. I wish I had some worshiping women right through here. I hope you are energized that you don't need an energy drink. What you just heard should have you off and running, chasing your dreams, pursuing your purpose, and answering your call. If this was a blessing, share it with somebody else. Don't be selfish. This is what God gave you so that you can be a blessing to somebody who needs it worse.